course, dessert. Series Defeating the Dark Side. Defeating the Dark Side. As you heard, I was away conducting a wedding in the country uh, last weekend. That's Jason, who used to lead worship here. Um, but, uh, yes, lovely. Uh, they've, he's uh, found himself a great wife. <laughs> I think they'll be very happy together. Um, my topic today is a challenging one, blessings and curses, blessings and curses, and uh, believe it or not, there's a fair bit about this in the Bible. Um, in the book of Jude, uh, well, actually, before I mention the book, think of Jesus when he was um, in battle against the evil one, 40 days of prayer and fasting, and in typical, you might say typical strat strategic attack, the evil one goes from at the end of that period. When Jesus was hungriest, 40 days without food, and the evil one comes at him. Three times the evil one tries to tempt him. And what did Jesus do? Remember, we learned the second one in the series. We've got to use the sword of the Spirit. Every time Jesus came back at Satan with the word of God. Do you remember which book he quoted every single time? The book of Deuteronomy. Every time. And we're in that book today. I'm going to spend a lot of time in that book. Uh, I'm going to start with this passage, Deuteronomy 28 first couple of verses it says if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth and all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God so here we see even though we're talking I guess this is from the Pentateuch from it's from the old covenant but like I've already said, Jesus quoted this when doing battle with Satan, as we read into the New Testament, and I believe there are principles here under the Old Covenant we can still use. But my first point is this. The blessing of God comes because of your obedience to his word. The blessing of God comes because of your obedience to your word, his word. That's what, that's what it said there in that passage. It gets firmed up with the verse you'd be more familiar with. You think of Joshua 1.8. Um, many of you may have memorized that. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then your way will be prosperous and successful. How is our way made prosperous and successful? By speaking about God's word, meditating on it, and living it out. Uh, the next portion of Deuteronomy says this, verse 3. 28.3, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Um, for the Israelite community, of course, that was considered very much the blessing of God if you had a big family. you know. Um, and you might think, well, does that really relate to us so much today? Well, I tell you what, um, in one of my churches in Sydney, um, you looked out on a Sunday and you, you kind of saw a sea of people in their 20s and 30s, lots of young married couples. Many of them wanting to start a family, which was no problem for lots of them, but for others it was a real issue. But, you know, the, the ladies were not falling pregnant, they would go to the doctor, and in many occasions they were told, well, look, you'll need to go on an IVF program, and even that you still may not fall pregnant. So a heap of them were really wanting to be blessed with children, and it just was not happening. In some cases there were medical reasons why it wasn't happening. But the interesting thing was... Over a period of about, it was probably about two and a half years, we prayed for, got a number of couples up front, just one at a time, one couple at a time, but there was a number of Sundays where we would pray for one of the couples. We prayed for two things, that God would bless them with children, but secondly, he would break any curses 
whether it was a historic curse, a generational sort of curse, or whether it was just something that had come against them, you know, recently. We broke curses and we prayed for God's fruitfulness. Now, you might think, well, it's nice to do that because it's in the Bible, but does it really make any difference? Well, there was about 10 couples consistently within a couple of months of praying for them, they fell pregnant consistently. Isn't that interesting? This is real stuff, friends, and it affects us today. It's not just an old covenant thing. Um, so I'll tell you one of the funny stories. This wasn't from a church. They were all from a church in Sydney, but this was a couple from Crossway South here in Melbourne. And um, this couple, um, uh, they'd gone through the IVF program, and some of the ones in Sydney had as well, and it hadn't worked. They'd spent 10 grand and still not pregnant. Anyway, um, they asked Pamela and I, will we come around and have a meal with them and pray for them? So after the meal, we did. Went into their lounge room, laid hands on them, anointed, with, anointed them with oil. Same sort of thing. Prayed for God's fruitful blessing, broke any generational curses or any current curses over their life. Two months later, uh, the girl came to us and said, I'm still not pregnant. You need to come around again. <laughs> so we did. Came around, did the same thing again, basically. Two months after that, she said, oh, actually, I probably should have left it at just the one prayer time. I'm pregnant now with twins. And about four months into her pregnancy, she got up and told the story with her church. They had two lovely boys. Um, but let me share the other side of the coin. In Sydney, there was one couple, and um, they were wanting to start a family too. Actually, unlike, actually, to be honest, the other 10 or so, um, this was the only couple where the lady wasn't really very committed to Christ, didn't attend church that often. And... Um, well, to be blunt, a little bit blunt, she was something of a bit gossipy and slanderous, quite divisive in the church. Well, we prayed for her just as we did everyone else, prayed for that couple, but she never did fall pregnant. But my point is this, did she short-circuit the blessing of God because of a lack of obedience, a lack of obedience to his word? Was that the problem? I wonder. Well, my point is this, let's sum it up, the fruit of the womb, by saying the blessing of family. The blessing of family, my next point, the blessing of family. And as I said, you know, the Israelite community, that was a huge thing. Moving to Deuteronomy 6, 28, 6 and 7, and I'll jump to verse 13 as well. God says to the nation, you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, uh, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. You know that phrase, don't you? You'll be the head and not the tail. That often gets quoted. Now, what does it mean? Well, let's face it, the head makes the decisions. The tail just gets pulled along, you know? <laughs> My point is this. The blessing of success. The blessing of success. You're going to be the head, not the tail. You're always going to be at the top, not at the bottom. Uh, you're going to defeat your enemies and so on. The blessing of success. One of the things I find interesting, because this same chapter goes on, and explains what's going to happen if they ignore the word of God. Let's have a look at the end of the chapter now, Deuteronomy 28, 43. It says this to the nation of Israel. 
The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. Opposite. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. That's the flip side for the nation Israel if they don't obey the scriptures. Look at Psalm 28.11. This time the Lord says to the nation, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity, abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend money to many nations, but will borrow none. Can I suggest this is the blessing of prosperity that the Lord is talking about? The blessing of prosperity. Remember he said he's going to bless the work of your hands. He's going to grant you abundant prosperity. So I never sort of think that um, uh, prosperity is not a theme in Scripture. It's in the scripture everywhere. It's a big theme in the scripture. Now, I know some churches take it to an extreme where it's not really biblical anymore, but certainly this theme of prosperity is there in the Bible. However, these principles that God is laying down for the nation very early on in those first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, they stay in place. Hundreds of years later, if we go to the very last book of the Bible, you see these principles of cursing and blessing are still in place if they obey the word of God. Look at this, go to the very last book of the Bible, Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. He starts it like that because the principles remain the same. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. But he adds, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from me. So many times they did. You've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere man, will a mere mortal, sorry, rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Notice he says that to the nation. You are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll be not room enough to store it. So God is wanting to bless the nation. He wants to bless them with such a measure of prosperity that their barns, their rooms cannot even store it. But he's saying to them, the problem is you are not living out my scriptures. You're robbing me. You're not bringing a tithe into the storehouse. You're not bringing the perfect lamb without blemish. You're not bringing the first fruits of your crops. You're not giving 10% of the, of the blessing that I give you. And so they find themselves under a curse. It's a very interesting story. Just uh, the last uh, week or so, one of our church members who uh, was, had kind of applied the scriptures of sowing and reaping <coughs> from a couple of weeks back, and uh, that church member was just telling me that uh, they were already giving, but they adjusted their finances to tithing, which was certainly a step up for them. And within days, they saw God's financial provision. It was almost immediate. And sometimes people have that testimony. As we live out scripture, 
It's amazing how God sets things in place so often over our lives. It has an impact. If I had to look largely there at blessings and the other coin, the other side of the coin, this time I want to look now at some curses, but likewise the other side of the coin, three of each. The curse of God comes because of your disregard of his word. That's what we read in Deuteronomy. The curse of God comes because of your disregard of his word. Deuteronomy 28.58 says this, If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe lingering illnesses. He will bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness. You got the idea. He's saying to the nation, if you just turn away from you turn your backs on me, the same punishment I brought on Egypt, I will then bring on you. They're challenging words. My point is this. It's the curse of ill health. The curse of ill health. Now, I need to add that I think ill health, so often the curse doesn't come from God. It more likely comes from demonic attack. And whether that's from Satan, whether it's from one of his demonic powers that have come against you, whether it's come from a person who is praying against you, or even witchcraft where someone is cursing you. That is often why it happens. And I know that for most of us, we just think in terms of it's purely physical or chemical. That's the only, you know, it's just, it's those things. It's our body. And we never think, or often we don't think of the spiritual realm. But the reality is, Satan has his minions, his servants, humans included, that will curse Christians. And it can make a difference. Let me uh, tell you one of the stories that Derek Prince tells, who I read quite a bit in this regard, this kind of topic. He talks about um, a young Jewish lady. Um, She was uh, very skilled in her area of profession, had secured... Um, a job as executive secretary to the CEO of a major South African company. She got paid an absolute packet for the role. She loved her job too. One day, um, she was asked to do something that um, she felt a little bit uncomfortable with. She'd found out that um, a lot of the senior staff would meet from time to time with this guru lady, for want of a better word, and that lady would prophesy over them, cast spells over them, etc. Well, um, she'd given what the CEO told her was a bunch of blessings and he wanted them typed up. As she started typing them up, she thought, man, these things are anything but blessings. Now, this Jewish girl was a committed Christian and so she read this stuff and thought, man, this is awful. So she said to the CEO, I feel really uncomfortable typing this up. Now, he was fine. He said, oh, well, that's fine. It's against your conscience. No problem. I'll get someone else to do it. However, within about just a few weeks, she developed severe pain in her hands, so much so she could not type. Now, we, we assume something here. that The guru woman found out that that secretary would not type up her stuff and cursed her. That's the assumption. Well, um... She went to the doctor, of course. The doctor said, oh, you've developed extreme arthritis. And it became so severe, 
uh, even when she was in bed, uh, she, uh, married lady, and um, even if her husband rolled over, just shot pain through her hands. You know, it's, you know it, so it was really extreme. She was on painkillers and stuff, as prescribed by the doctor, but it just wasn't really making much difference. Well, she had a, 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 one of her Christian friends said, look, I listen to a lot of Derek Prince stuff and he talks about breaking curses. Why don't you listen to some of these back in the days of cassettes? They had a long drive and so they were listening to these things in the car. Now, I will say, the, um, the Jewish young lady sort of thought of curses as very medieval and she wasn't really, didn't think too much of what a friend was sharing about them and didn't think it would make any difference to the pain in her hands. Well, they got to the end of one of the messages where Derek leads the gathering uh, in a statement or a prayer to break curses. At that point, the cassette jammed. Wouldn't go forward, wouldn't go back, they couldn't get it out. But thoughtfully, her Christian friend had already typed up the prayer. And so they pulled over the car, stopped the car, and the uh, Jewish lady read through the prayer. Not long, about three minutes. By the time she got to the end of the prayer, it was largely just breaking a curse. By the time she got to the end of the prayer, the pain had completely left her hands and never came back. I share that story to say this stuff is more real than perhaps we realise. We are in a spiritual battle. Deuteronomy 27.16 says this, Cursed is anyone who dishonours their father or mother, then all the people shall say, Amen. Can I suggest this, friends? Um, you know, your relationship with your parents is important. Um, if we're carrying unforgiveness, resentment, anger towards our parents, it is not a good thing and it will short-circuit the blessing of God. Now, I know some of you are probably going to say, yeah, but Lee, if you knew what my, my dad was like, if you know what my mother was like, you wouldn't say that because they were flipping awful, horrible people, you know? Did a lot of damage to me. Friends, I'm going to, be, I'm going to be blunt. It doesn't matter what they've done. This command remains the same. We need to honour our parents. This is, this is the point. Cursed are those who dishonour their parents. That's what Deuteronomy is saying. Cursed are those who dishonour their parents. Now, let me bring it to life by telling you the story about a chap called Paul, uh, Paul Corley. He had a really rotten dad. I'll start with his story. So, British guy. Um, he didn't really have a relationship with his dad. Uh, his dad um, tended to be all off, always off, as he put it, as Paul puts it, womanising. He had multiple affairs. Don't know how mum put up with it. And he was just an angry, challenging person to be around. He didn't have much time for that family sort of environment. His son, Paul, can't ever remember him having a meal uh, with the family at all. Well, at 15, his dad tended to be violent when he got angry sometimes, and he was in the process of smacking the mum around. And Paul, 15 at this time, tried to prevent that from happening. Well, the dad lost it with him and kicked him out of the house. 15 years old, he was out on the streets. He ran upstairs, grabbed a bag, grabbed a few things, and he was gone. Well, of course, he realised he had nowhere to go. He ended up getting mixed up in a gang, did crime, I guess, to financially survive. Well, he ended up in prison because of that. Well, he got out when he was 21 and joined the army. And uh, 
He loved the army because he felt he could be a legal bully. He wasn't a nice chap either. <laughs> and um, Paul got married a couple of times and divorced a couple of times. Life was not going well for him in many ways. Then his mum, he hears, has got cancer. She was a heavy smoker. He went to the hospital to visit, visited her for about 10 days straight. She died in his arms. This caused Paul to ask some big questions about life. And it was right around that time someone invited him to the Alpha course. Uh, he thought, you know, as a, as a member of the army, I've done courses on just about everything. Blow it, I'll do a course on God. So he did. Partway through the course, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, he was radically saved. Wonderful transformation in his life. Um, he was going out with a girl at the time, living with a girl, and he said to her, I think we need to get married. So they did, and uh, developed a lovely family. He also felt God was tapping him on the shoulder about going into the ministry. He became an Anglican vicar. And he was so uh, effective in his ministry to ex-criminals that he was awarded by King Charles an MBE. That's a member of the Order of the British Empire. But more challenging, perhaps, than working with ex-crims was reuniting with his dad. So he tracked his dad down. He knew that as a Christian, he needed to honour his father. And uh, he found dad living in a little council flat in Manchester. And uh, he was hoping dad might have changed too, because he'd changed. He's hoping dad might have done. But no, dad was still just as angry, just as negative, just as um, vulgar with his language and, uh, and always moaning about never having any money. Well, he decided he'd, he'd pay for dad to come down fairly regularly by a train. He lived in London himself. Dad lived up in Manchester. By car, it's a little over four hours, but you can get an express train, it's a little over two. So he'd pay for dad to come down and stay with him. Did that a few times. Well, he remembers one day... Um, his dad had actually got, as the British call it, quite poorly. He got quite sick um, and uh, been in hospital a little bit and then back to his house in, in London where Paul lived. And um, anyway, he was better again now and Paul was um, getting him ready to hop on the train back to Manchester and um, he felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit. You know, I want you to honour your father. Honour your father. And so... Paul paid for a first-class ticket. That's you get your own little cabin on the train. And he walked his dad in there, kissed his dad goodbye, and, uh, and then as he walked out, he, he watched his dad through the train window, and he said he saw his dad there on the recliner, you know, leans it back, clicks his fingers, and someone comes in with, with um, biscuits and tea and, uh, and offers him things to read. He grabs the daily newspaper, kind of shakes it out, leans back to read it, and then he looks at his son outside the window. And Paul was saying he had the biggest smile I've ever seen him have, you know. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm so pleased I did that. Well, he became even more um, aware of how the Holy Spirit's prompting was very timely because three weeks after that, his dad died in Manchester of a massive heart attack. I know it's not easy sometimes to honour our parents because if you've had a, a parent that is, uh, well, 
like Paul's dad or anything along those lines. It's not easy, but it's biblical. It's biblical to honour our parents. We'll short-circuit the blessing of God if we don't. Remember the, t- the fifth commandment in the book of Exodus 20.12, honour your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Moving on to another passage, it says in Deuteronomy 27.15, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands and sets it up in secret. You've got the idea? The command here is God is saying you do not create anything associated with worship that is taking you away from me. That is a detestable act. It uh, gives some further clarity in the Deuteronomy 7.25. The images of their gods you are to burn in fire. Do not covet the silver or gold on them. Do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it for it is a detest for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you like it will be set apart for destruction, regarded as vile and utterly detested for it is set apart for destruction. Mm. My point is this, friends. Cursed are those who embrace idols. Cursed are those who embrace idols. Now, this is one of the things that um, we in the West have often thought, well, we don't do anything like that. But I want to go as far to say it's uh, idolatry of this nature is increasing significantly in the West. Um, And sometimes it can be very subtle and we may not realise we have something within our homes that is actually demonic in nature. And anyone can get caught out. Derek Prince got caught out. His... um, his granddad was in the military. He was an officer in um, the British Army in uh, China and consequently had a lot of um, Chinese artefacts, heaps, heaps of really cool stuff, actually. Well, one of the beautiful items was this tapestry um, and it was of uh, golden dragons. They were imperial dragons. They had five claws instead of four. And uh, it was a beautiful piece of artwork. Derek had it in his lounge room. Would have been worth a fortune. Um, and then one day, Derek Prince felt the Lord tap him on the shoulder and say, hey Derek, what's, uh, what is a dragon a symbol of in the Holy Scriptures? And he says, well, immediately he knew, like Satan's an enormous red dragon in the book of Revelation. And then he felt the second tap on the shoulder. Should you really have this in your lounge room? Now, Derek, with just a measure of reluctance, only a little bit of reluctance, but he, he knew he had to get rid of the stuff, so he threw it out. He threw it out. Now, again, I know you're probably thinking, well, didn't, didn't Derek just have too much pizza the night before and uh, <laughs> I was just imagining all this? <laughs> um, well, he said there was a couple of measurable things after I did it. One of the measurable realities was... We had quite a large home and we'd sometimes have extended family over. And there often seemed to be a lot of tension. After I threw out the artwork of the dragons, that tension seemed to have lifted. Well, okay, perhaps that, you know, it's it's, it's not easy to measure things like that. So Derek shares another story. He said something that's very measurable is money. The year before I threw the dragons out, my salary... Uh, He did a lot of itinerant preaching, so salary wasn't always stable. The year before I threw it out, 
my salary was half what it was the year after I threw it out. In other words, the 12 months before I threw them out, it was half what it was after the 12 months after I threw them out. And he said, and then by the way, it stayed. It didn't drop back again, it just stayed. It stayed much stronger. And he, he shares in his talk, that item in my house was affecting the blessing of God over my life and ministry. Have you got anything in your house or in your office that may be affecting the blessing of God over your life? We need to be discerning about these things. I'm going to give you a list in a moment. I won't put up the list yet. I'll chat through it and then we'll put up the list. A few things to avoid. Tarot cards. Make sure they're not in your home. Throw them out if you've got any. If you've, got, if you've been to a clairvoyant and she gave you anything or you bought anything there, throw it out. And by the way, you need, to, you need to renounce anything that was spoken over you. Horoscopes. Don't have them in your house. Magazines with horoscopes in them, throw out the magazine. Don't have them in your house. Star signs. Don't read them. My mum used to read star signs. And when I became a Christian, I said, why do you read these things? She'd say, oh, it's just a bit of fun. You know, that's the problem. We just think it's a bit of fun. But actually can short-circuit the blessing of God. Um, Wicca or other forms of the occult, make sure there's nothing of that in your world or nothing associated with it. A Ouija board. You might think, well, who would have a Ouija board? Well, uh, one of the guys, um, you know, Brett in our church who does the gardens and stuff, um, Brett said when he was a teenager, he and a few of the lads had a Ouija board and they used to dabble, you know, trying to get weird stuff to happen, supernatural stuff. He said one night, the table that it was on, the entire table lifted off the ground. This is real stuff, friends. Um, obviously, he doesn't dabble with any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> Casting spells or love potions over people. That's become apparently a, a trendy thing that teenagers and young adults do. They want some young guy, young girl to fall in love with them. They'll cast a spell over them. It's witchcraft, friends. Witchcraft. Movies or music where Satan is honoured. Avoid that sort of stuff. I got evicted back in the, um, when we were doing the Elijah series. And uh, I've got a band room. And it had a bunch of posters of different artists there. Well, three of those artists are certainly not honouring to God. And I felt the Lord touch me on the shoulder and say, get rid of them. So I threw out those posters. New Age crystals, that physical item. Or books or other paraphernalia associated with the new age. We need to get rid of it. We need to throw it out. Freemasonry. It's unlikely anyone here is connected with it. But I remember praying over one of the guys in our church. He, had, he thought his granddad was a Freemason. All sorts of health problems throughout this guy's life. Because that often ends up happening if you've got a connection with Freemasonry. Two more. And these two are probably the two that get embraced in the church circles more than any other. Martial arts. Now, and you probably think, oh, well, you're just going too far now. What's wrong with martial arts? You know, mate. Um, one of my friends, uh, Wally Starchenko, he was my youth pastor in my church at Narry Warren. He had a friend who was uh, very into martial arts. And Wally would sometimes say to him, you sure you should be into this, mate? It's very Eastern religion. And he'd say, Wally, you are so narrow. Like, it's, 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 really, it's really good for my physical health. You know, and I think it's good to be able to defend yourself. Well, you know, his mate kept on going into it and he was going up and up the ranks and I think Wally said when he got to Black Belt, the, uh, the guy who was his instructor said to him, now to get to the next level, 
your muscle tone and all the skills I've taught you, you won't get any more strength from physical fitness. We need to move now into the spiritual. And the guy told him what he wanted him to do. And this guy was a committed Christian. And he came back and told Wally, he said, I couldn't believe it. The guy basically was asking me to invite demonic spirits into my life to give me more strength. And at that point he said, you know, Wally, you were right. I'm getting out of it. One more. The other one that uh, often Christians dabble in is yoga. Uh, I haven't ever done yoga, haven't had much experience with it, but Sue certainly has. Sue, come and tell us your experience of yoga. No worries, you need to pull them out, your notes. Thanks for the privilege. When I was um, born, my mum was a believer, a Christian, but my dad was not yet a Christian. Though my mum was a Christian, she had been encouraged to do yoga as a young woman to help her deal with life and be healthy. My mum did the exercises and after my birth was encouraged by the local doctor to teach yoga in the local community. Mum attended the Anglican church and took me regularly to church on a Sunday. She also taught Sunday school when I was older and encouraged me to help her teach Sunday school. I did not receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour until I was 15. This happened at high school when a fellow student was leading into school Christian fellowship during big lunch. The student preached on the blood of Jesus being the only way to be cleansed of sin, that Jesus had risen again. I repented of my sins and very relieved, gladly received the washing of the blood of Jesus that he had shed for me and received him as my Saviour and Lord. I told my parents that day and shared with anyone who would listen. In the same year, the Anglican pastor or minister came to our high school to teach us religious education this particular class was held in the science lab, as you do. He was teaching that yoga was of the devil and not of God. I arced up and I stood up at that science lab bench uh, where I'd been sitting and I refuted him very loudly. That can't be true. My mum is a Christian and she teaches yoga and I have no memory of what happened after that. I would like to ask you here... Who and what have I declared my allegiance to? I went to a couple of youth groups in the following years. I loved God and worshipped him and passionately desired to live this life for Jesus. I wanted to know and do my heavenly Father's will. I came to Melbourne before my 19th birthday to study and I attended a Christian um, group on campus the leader encouraged us to go to church and she took a small group of us to Regent Baptist. One of the sermons that the pastor preached not many weeks after our first Sunday emphasised that God is the true and living God, Father Jesus and Holy Spirit, and we are to worship him only. All this made absolute sense to me, easy to hear. That's what I wanted to do. 
he continued that God's word clearly states that we are not to worship other gods. Then he started to list other gods that many Westerners worship often in ignorance. Read astrology, sections in the newspaper or magazines on a daily basis, do yoga, have Buddha statues, do seances and many other things, he said. It was like my eyes were open. I was shocked. Now, I ha how had I not known that this was in God's word? I repented immediately of the astrology and yoga and some other things. Then he encouraged us to get rid of books on the subject and objects like statues, jewellery and anything to do with worshipping false gods. I had a beautiful, expensive piece of jewellery that my dear auntie had given me. It was a zodiac sign. This auntie had been very kind to me over the years and I loved her dearly. However, I knew this jewellery had to go. And as soon as I got back to my home, I threw it in the rubbish bin. I also spoke with the pastor after this service and he encouraged me to read a book, Death of a Guru. Now, I cannot say this gentleman's name correctly, but his surname is Maharaja and he's co-written it with Dave Hunt, if you want to have a look at it. So at the age of 19, I now know yoga is worshipping false gods and every position is an act of worship not just an exercise to keep you fit and supple. I knew I'd been forgiven and I thought that was it. I was not backward in telling everyone I knew that yoga was worship of false gods. Move on now to about 25 years later. So I'm now about 45 years old. I have walked with God, passionate about him and his word and encountered him in many ways his love expressed in the good times and the hard. This particular Sunday, I had pain in between my shoulder blades and I went forward for prayer. A lady with an evangelistic call on her life was praying for me and I could feel the heat in between my shoulders. Then suddenly, God showed or revealed to me the scene of me back in high school in the science lab. I could see and hear what I was doing and saying. I was challenging the man of God, refuting what he was saying and aligning myself with my, with my mom and yoga. God showed me that I had declared allegiance to my mum and false gods of yoga above my allegiance with Jesus as my Lord, my saviour, above my allegiance with the true and living God, Father, Lord, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Immediately I let the lady who was praying for me know, I said, I need to repent and renounce this allegiance and declare the Lordship of Jesus over every area of my life. I did and gratefully received forgiveness and the pain went immediately. Psalm 139, verse 24, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting.
Thank you so much, Sue. Fantastic. <clears throat> Let me go through that list again. You might like to take a picture of these up on the screen, a list of things to avoid. This is what we've been through. Tarot cards, clairvoyance, horoscopes, following star signs, wicker or other forms of the occult, Ouija boards, casting spells or love potions over people, movies or music where Satan is elevated, Eastern meditation, New Age crystals, books and other paraphernalia, Freemasonry, martial arts and yoga. Let me uh, read this scripture here from the book of Galatians. Galatians 3.10. It says this, for all who rely on the works of the law, says the Apostle Paul, are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed, notice this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You got the idea of what the Apostle Paul is doing there? He's saying that yes, He's not, he's not saying the law of God is not important, but he's saying we are introduced to the new covenant under Jesus Christ. By living out the law, that's never going to get us to the point of salvation. It's by faith in Jesus. In fact, we can break any curse over our lives because Jesus became a curse for us when he died on the cross. This is an important thing to know. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't look at the principles of the Old Testament, but we live under the new covenant because of the grace of Christ. Finally, friends, can I ask you to stand up? I'm going to finish our service with a prayer. This prayer is one of salvation, which is always good to start with these sorts of things. But secondly, then it goes on to break any potential curses we have. So you can see it up. Uh, let's move to the prayer now. Have a quick look at it so you know what I'm about to lead you in prayer. Is it there? Next slide. Tom, Emily, here, here it is. This is the first half of the prayer and then we'll move on to the second half. As you see, salvation and forgiving people and then it'll move on to breaking curses. Shall we pray together? Let's just slowly pray this prayer together before God. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and only way to God that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead, that on the cross you were made a curse with every curse that was due to me, that I might be redeemed from the curse and enter into the blessing. Lord, I confess any sins committed by me or by my ancestors, I ask your forgiveness. I also ask also forgive every other person who ever harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them as I have God forgive me. I also forgive myself. Just pause for a moment there. If there's someone that you feel you might need to forgive, just give you 
20 seconds just for a moment there for someone in your world or whom you just need to forgive just quietly in your own mind if there's anyone there you need to bring to mind or some sin you think is in your life and you just need to confess that in your own mind before God and ask for forgiveness before we move on to the final section give me another 20 seconds Now, the final section of our prayer, this is renouncing anything in our lives, breaking any curse. Let's pray this together. I renounce all contact with the occult in any form, and I commit myself to getting rid of any contact objects. And now, Lord, having received by faith your forgiveness with the authority I have as a child of God, I now release myself I'm going to ask Sue to come and close in prayer for us. Thank you, Sue. Come and pray for us. Mm, Father, I just thank you for your word that's been preached today. And I thank you that there is life and power in your word. And it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And I thank you, Lord, by your word and by your spirit. The enemy's works have been broken and are broken and are breaking and crumbling down. I thank you. We declare you as Lord and we declare your word over our lives as the dictator, as the thing we align with. And we agree with you, Father. We agree with your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You seal all that Pastor Lee has preached to us, our hearts, our spirits, our souls, every part of us. And Holy Spirit, lead us this week in this truth, in your ways, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.